Okay, so we need a really, really loud welcome for Andrew Hudson as he kicks off our new series. Thanks, Becky. Hey, it is so awesome to talk to human beings, right? It's great. Uh, and since Vicky talked about me going short, since it's been so long since I've got a chance to do that, I'm prepared to go at least three hours if you guys, no, I'm kidding. We'll keep it, we'll keep it fairly quick. So like, I don't know if you caught it, but Vicky said that I do get the pleasure of kicking off a new series today um, where over the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at a few of the parables that Jesus taught on. And Jesus was a master storyteller of parables. He was the best at it. He could take the simplest made-up story of everyday things, things right in front of him, a field, a fig tree, a loaf of bread. He could, and, and take that, that, that image and teach the most profound, deep spiritual truth uh, through that image. And that's what a parable does. It combines storytelling and doctrine. It, it's an ingeniously simple word picture that illuminates a profound deep spiritual lesson. And, and what's amazing to me is that Jesus' parables is that they were accessible to the average everyday person and yet hidden from so many of the elite people at the same time. Because of their simplicity, it didn't take a PhD to understand what Jesus was trying to talk about. He didn't use big words like eschatology or propitiation or sanctification. And yet so many of the parables were about those kinds of things. And so the everyday person could track with what Jesus was talking about. And so much so that the parables were actually easier for the typical person to understand them than the highly religious, highly educated Pharisees or teachers of the law of the day because to them, they thought they already had it all figured out. To them, they weren't that interested in, 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 in trying to understand that kind of stuff because they already thought that they had it all figured out. Let's look at this um, quote from one Bible scholar says about Jesus' parables. It says this, They hid the truth from the self-righteous or self-satisfying people who fancied themselves too sophisticated to learn from him, meaning Jesus, while the same parables revealed the truth to eager souls with childlike faith those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Jesus' parables are for those who are soft of heart, those who are open and willing to listen to the good news, the good news of the gospel, the good news about grace and mercy and forgiveness. The parable, parables are primarily for the believers, for the disciples and the followers of Jesus, uh, of the crowd. They're for people like you and I. They're not so much for the hard-hearted, stiff-necked, stuck-in-their-religious, legalistic thinking, ways of thinking, Pharisees, or teachers of the law of the day. Uh, they, those, and to those people, the parables seem to kind of go over their heads a little bit. And Jesus, he knew he was doing this, and he was doing this on purpose. He was doing this on purpose. See, we, early on in Jesus' ministry, in the first year or so, we don't see a lot of parables. Jesus uses a few of them in the Sermon on the Mount and a couple of places, but not very many. It's not until really like the last year or so that we see parable after parable after parable. And, and so what caused this big switch in Jesus' teaching style? Why did he make this big abrupt switch? Well, it's because we're going to look at a few parables here in a second in Matthew 13, but in Matthew 12, 
the chapter right before it, the Pharisees start to get really frustrated with Jesus, and they start to plot his, the end of his life. They start to get frustrated that he's healing a, a man's hand on the Sabbath. They start to get frustrated that he's casting out demons on the Sabbath, and they start to plan for the end of his life. And so Jesus, is, he makes this big switch because he's basically biding his time. It's not time yet for him to go to the cross, and he wants to still teach his disciples and the people who are willing to listen, who are willing to, to grow in faith and understanding of who God is, uh, but not wanting to give more ammunition to those who want to harm him. So he's really ingenious in by doing that. So there are, are over 40 plus parables in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't really include too many. Uh, but Jesus goes over all these parables, and they're about everyday things, everyday first century things at least, farming, fishing, cooking. Uh, and we're only going to be able to cover just a couple of them in this series, but I would encourage you, and my hope and prayer is that as we go over these over the next few weeks, that it sparks something in you to want to dive deep into the parables in your own study, in your own walk with God and reading the Bible. And I would encourage you parents out there, these are great things to be sharing and talking about with our own kids because they're so e easy to tell a story to our kids and to talk about some of the deep truths in them and get them uh, kind of thinking about those kinds of things. So today, with what time we have, I got about two hours, 45 minutes left, I think. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I want to explore uh, two very short parables, some of the very earliest ones that Jesus tells us in Matthew 13. It's the parable of the hidden treasure in the parable of the pearl. It starts off in Matthew 13, verses 44 and through 46. Just three verses. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to that or phone, and we'll have them up on the screens as well, it says this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. He bought it. Two very simple word pictures, and yet they both have deep, profound spiritual meanings. These two parables are like two sides of the same coin. They're so similar, they go together. It's, you really can't separate them. Uh, both have one main character, a man and a merchant. Both involve a very valuable item that has been discovered, a hidden treasure and the most valuable of pearls. Both have uh, men who sell everything they have to get those valuable items. And both parables start off by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? That is something that we talk about in the vineyard a lot. If you've been around for a while, you've, you've probably heard us talk about that phrase a lot because Jesus talked about it a lot. So if Jesus thought it was important, then we think it's important. And in fact, 13 of the parables are specifically about or start off about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And so um, the kingdom of heaven, if you're unfamiliar with this, is not a geopolitical kingdom. You cannot find it on Google Maps, all right? It's an invisible kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's, it's where the reign and the rule of God is being expressed. It's where what God wants done is getting done. 
It's, some people have put it this way. If you're living in the kingdom, you're living the good life. The good life. You're living under the reign of the, the king. And as a son or daughter of the king, you're, you're, you're under the benefits of the good life. And not the good life the world tries to sell us about power and prosperity and those kinds of things. Like the, the actual good life. Like, like God's peace. God's joy, God's love, God's mercy, all those things that you get when you're living in the kingdom. The things that every human being was made for, and yet so many are unaware of their need of. And in these two parables, we see this invitation for anyone who wants to discover, to discover and grab hold of the good life, to grab hold of the kingdom of heaven, that, that you can do that. Notice that Jesus didn't give the man or the merchant a name because it doesn't matter their name because it could be any one of us. It's for all of us. The kingdom of heaven we see in these parables is both for stumblers and for seekers. It's both for stumblers and for seekers. In the first parable, the man discovers a hidden treasure in a field that is owned by somebody else. He doesn't own it. We'd, we don't know if this man was an employee of the landowner and he was working the land. We don't know if he was just traveling through. But we know he didn't own the land and he, he stumbles basically upon a treasure. He wasn't out there with a metal detector, right? He didn't have a map with X marks the spot on it. He just kind of found it. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a couple that lived in Northern California. They were out on a walk on their property, taking their dog for a walk, a path through their woods that they had done dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And they looked down on this one particular day and they saw this little piece of rusted metal. And they were curious. So they found a stick nearby and started to dig at it. And lo and behold, it was an old rusted can, really old rusted can, weighed a lot, very heavy. They picked it up, they took it home, they opened it up, not knowing what to expect, maybe they thought it might be, thought it was full of lead, it was so heavy, they opened it, it was full of gold coins. Gold coins that dated from the mid-1800s to the late-1800s that were from right after the, the California gold rush. They just stumbled upon it. They weren't looking for it. They had traveled that path over and over and over again. They just stumbled upon it. For some people, that's what experiencing the kingdom of heaven is like. They just kind of accidentally find it. They aren't actually looking for it. Would any of you say that was you? I wasn't really looking for God. I wasn't really trying to find God. I just kind of stumbled upon it. Sometimes people do that. Some of us do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like maybe you were driving by VCDC on a Saturday night. You walk in the, pull in the parking lot. You walk in the front door and you go, honey, this is not Cracker Barrel. I thought we were going to Cracker Barrel, right? No, but you just kind of found it. I have heard stories of people saying, I just drove by the church and felt compelled to go in. There was something in me. I don't know what it was. I didn't even realize what it was until I got in the parking lot that it was a church. Or you stumble, or for some of you, maybe you stumbled into the kingdom of heaven because a cute girl or cute boy at one point invited you to youth group or something like that. You know, my best friend invited me in high school to a youth group, and the way he got me there was he promised there would be cute girls there. That's what got me in the door, right? Some of us just kind of accidentally find it. And when we find it and we realize how amazing it is, we're so glad that we did, right? 
But the kingdom of heaven is not just for those who accidentally stumble upon it. It's also for those who are intentionally seeking it, those who are seekers of it. How many of you would say you are more actively seeking something of God? You, you knew that God was out there, or there was something of God out there, and you were looking for him. Any of you? A few of you? Yeah. So, so many times we see that, uh, that people are looking for something. And when they discover the kingdom of heaven, their eyes are opened and they're so excited. The merchant is like that. The merchant who looks for and buys and sells and finds pearls is intentionally looking for and seeking pearls. That's his job. He's a modern day antique dealer, right? He's an American picker on History Channel, right? He, he's out there looking for the most priceless of pearls, the greatest one of all. And how does he know it's the greatest? How does he know it's worth so much? It's because he's seen nice pearls in the past. He's seen fine pearls before, and he knows that one is worth so much, so much more. He's gotten a glimpse of something good in the world, of something beauty. He's seen beauty in the world. He's seen things that are lovely in the world, and he finds this beautiful, lovely pearl, and he knows it's of infinite value. You know that Northern California couple that I talked about, found that can of gold coins. You know what they did after they found it? They went and right back to the same spot with shovels and started digging, right? If there's one can, maybe there's more cans. And lo and behold, they found seven more cans full of gold coins. Over 1,400 gold coins uh, that valued at over $10 million. It's known as the Saddle Ridge Hoard. You can Google it and look it up. And uh, it's the largest you know, found treasure in United States history. Once they got a taste of it, once they saw something that was good, they went back for more. They went seeking for something even more, and lo and behold, they found it. And this is true for many of us. You, you get a glimpse of the good life out there in the world, you see it in another person, you look at that person, you think, man, how do they have so much joy? How do they have so much peace? How do they have so much hope? I want that. I don't just want a little bit of that. I want the whole thing. I want the whole thing. And people uh, fall and discover the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and what you notice about these two stories is that Jesus, he doesn't favor one over the other. He doesn't favor the stumbler over the seeker. It's not like, oh, you were seeking it, so you were looking for it. Well, you get a first-class seat, and the stumblers, they all have to go sit and coach. No. Everybody gets the same thing. Everybody gets the kingdom of heaven. Everybody gets an audience with the king. Those of you who are younger in the room right now, if you got an activity bag when you came in, did you discover or stumble upon the little treat in the bottom of your bag? There is a, a couple of you did, yeah. A couple of you, there is a hidden false bottom in the bottom of your bag and little gummies hiding under it. The rest of you are really seeking it now, aren't you? You're digging, you're like, I didn't know that was in there, right? Right, some of you came last week you got a little treat in your bag, and you knew, you knew that you should look for it this week, too, and you were digging around, right? It's for, the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's like that. It's for both stumblers and seekers, and at the end of the day, you all get the, we all get the same thing. We all get the kingdom of heaven. We all get the same gummies in the bottom of our bag. You, kids, make sure you ask your parents if they want you to have those right now or not. Uh, but there's a catch there's a catch, and that's that, and we find this catch in both parables, and it's this. The kingdom of heaven requires giving up everything. 
but gaining so much more. It requires giving up everything. It requires giving up the old life, the old way of doing things, but gaining so much more in the new. As soon as the pearl dealer finds the greatest pearl, what's he do? He puts it on layaway. It doesn't say that in your translation. It says that in mine. He puts it on layaway, and he rushes off as fast as he can, and he liquidates everything he has to buy that pearl. The man in the field does the same thing. He sells everything he has to buy the field. But, in, but, in, but this is a little bit odd. The man in the field is a little bit odd because he could have just taken it, right? And yet he chooses to rebury it. Now, we know that the owner of the field, it wasn't, it wasn't his. Because otherwise, he would have never agreed to sell the field, right? Or he at least would have dug up the treasure before he sold the field. But So maybe this man who discovered it just didn't want to be a thief, didn't want to steal it, wouldn't do the right thing, right? Well, actually, that would not be, have been the case in first century Israel. And this was a little bit of a twist. Everybody who heard Jesus' parable here and the original, the original audience would have heard this would have thought, why didn't he just take it? Because it wouldn't have been stealing. According to Jewish rabbinical law in the first century, if you found something outside of somebody's home, literally the words say anything of object of value found outside of the threshold of somebody's home, then you could have claim to that. That the person who owned that property didn't necessarily have claim to it. So this man could have taken it and just had it and not had to sell all of his old stuff. The original audience would have thought, why did he do that? Well, Jesus puts that in there on purpose because he's trying to make a point about the kingdom. He's trying to make a point that you have to be willing to give up everything to gain even more in the kingdom. You have to be willing to give it all up. And if you continue to live in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, you're going to realize that it does cost us at times, right? It does cost us some things. You know, this is where the Holy Spirit can be a little bit of a bother sometimes. And I say that jokingly, but, but the Holy Spirit can bother some. Sometimes we'll be saving up money to buy something or spend it on something, and the Holy Spirit will come along and say, hey, I want you to give it away. I want you to give it to this person or that person or invest it in this thing of the kingdom. I want you to give it to the Cleveland church plant, JT and Laura going on. You know, or you'll be saving up for a tropical trip to the Bahamas, right? And God will say, hey, I want you to use that, mo- that money for a tropical trip to the Brazilian jungle. I want you to go on a mission trip, right? Or, he'll, or maybe it's not money. It's, it's who you hang out with. It's who you invest time in, right? I want you to hang out with this person or that person. And you'll think, I don't want ha- to call Andrew. He's a nerd. Like, I don't want to spend time with him. And God will nudge you and say, no, I want you to do that. Jesus hung out with weird people. Have you noticed that? Yeah, with a bunch of unusual characters. That's part of the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's our time, our time, our energy. We, want, we love our free time. We love our weekends. We love our days off, right? And God will say, hey, I want you to join and volunteer for this activity or volunteer for this ministry at church. And, and I just want to, just to kind of plug it real quick, one of the areas specifically that I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will come and bother some of you with, is our kids' ministry. 
we are currently, obviously, our kids, you guys are doing a great job in here. But one of the things we're hoping to, with wisdom, and when the time is right, we know everything with COVID is kind of crazy right now. But when the time is right, we want to reopen our kids' ministry because it has always been the vision of ECDC that we would have age-appropriate spaces for our kids to encounter God with their peers and encounter the kingdom of heaven with their peers. And so as soon as we can do that, we want to do that. But the challenge is that we're facing is that a lot of our past volunteers, because of their health, because of their risk, because of different reasons, can't come back yet. And that's totally understandable. So I'm praying that some of you who maybe your kids are a little older, maybe you're a teen, maybe you're married, maybe you're single, maybe you have parents of little ones right now and you realize like, man, I want my kids to get back into kids ministry, you know? that you would be maybe praying about being willing to, to volunteer an hour a month or here or there to uh, be, a, be in your kid's class so that we can start to give that, give that awesome opportunity back to our kids. So that, there'll be more information coming about that in the near future. But just wanted to plug that. Let me just, um, just kind of wrap up with this. Let me just say that I am, I am joking about the Holy Spirit bothering you because the truth is it's not, he's not bothering you. He's offering us something amazing. He's offering us joy. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of joy. When we live in the kingdom, when we serve in the kingdom, when we, when we do things for God, we get overwhelming amount of joy from it. That's what the man who found the hidden treasure got. It was with joy he went and sold everything he had to gain the treasure. That's what we get. So would you be willing would you be willing today and this week to see, to see the treasure and the pearl that God is hiding in front of you in plain sight? Whether you stumble upon it or seek it out, would you be willing to give up and to continue to give up every day, everything that you are, everything that you have to get the even greater prize of the kingdom? to store up treasure in heaven, not treasure on earth that can be destroyed, stolen, rust, to get Jesus, essentially. To have an ever-growing relationship with Jesus who, in a way, is the treasure and is the pearl personified. To get him and everything that comes with him, the whole rest of the kingdom, the peace, the joy, the love, the forgiveness, the hope, the mercy, the grace that comes with living in the kingdom? Would you be willing to give it up, to continue to give up everything for the one who gave everything up for you? Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Our worship team, if they want to come back on up, we're going to enter into a time of worship. They're back there uh, eating snacks, hanging out. Yeah, they're coming out. I'm just kidding. Um, but let's stand up. Uh, and I want to just take a second here as they're getting ready, and I just want to say a quick prayer for us as we come into worship. As we, because we're going to go into after we worship for a few songs, I'm going to come back up, and we're going to have an opportunity to pray for each other, a time of ministry time. But but my hope and prayer is that some of the things that I talked about, that God's going to come and Holy Spirit's going to come and bother you a little bit, uh, in a good way, and just um, and just nudge you in certain ways to get prayer for. So. You know, I just want to say a really simple prayer. And it's, it's just, it's what Jesus prayed. Uh, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
So let's just, let's just worship and, uh, and praise God uh, for a few minutes here, and then I'll come back up. children we come with arms open wide so desperate for you so in need of your life may our praise fill your ears may our cries touch your heart We need your presence to change who we are, to change who we are, to change who we are, as children we come. As children we come with arms open wide So desperate for you, so in need of your life May our praise fill your ears, may our cries touch your heart your presence to change who we are so
to get prayer uh, before we end today. Like I just, there just was that sense of in the first song that we sang there uh, about if we ask for bread, he won't give us a stone. He's going to give us bread, right? He's going to give us the thing that he knows we need, the nourishment that we need. So uh, first of all, if you would say that I don't know if I've ever said yes to the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if I've ever said yes to be willing to give up everything, to give up the old, to get the new, the greater thing. Then I, I would just encourage you to get prayer today. That's, that's a really big deal to say yes to Jesus, whether you're in the room right here, if you're watching online, to just have somebody pray for you. Uh, that's a really big deal. So I would encourage you that. Second, it's human nature, I think, for us over time to take for granted good life we've been given in the kingdom of heaven. It's human nature, I think, for us to, for, to, to, un, to just over time to see it as a lesser and lesser value. And for some of us, I think it's an opportunity to say, no, I want to see it for what it's really worth tonight. I want to see it for what it's really worth. I want to I say to God, God, I want to, to just be as a sign of being grateful. I just want to be grateful to you. And, uh, and I think that I just want to continue to to be generous uh, in giving you everything. I think that the God was nudging some of you and bothering some of you in something specific, maybe something that you've been thinking about for a while, and you just need wisdom to know what that looks like and courage to know how to walk that out. So I would encourage you to get prayer for that. Um, with everything that's been happening this week, specifically in our county, in Delaware County, going to a level three, I just felt like God said there's some of us that are just really feeling hopeless. Uh, and that the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of hope. And so if you're feeling that way this week, I would encourage you to, to get prayer. And finally, finally, the last thing is that, you know, Jesus didn't just talk about the kingdom of heaven. He didn't just proclaim the kingdom of heaven. He always did that. When he did that, he always demonstrated the kingdom of heaven. Proclamation and demonstration always went hand in hand. What Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven in these parables, right before and after that, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's healing their, their, their withered hands. So if you are in any way, if, anyway, if you're struggling physically, in physical need, emotional need, mental need, I would encourage you to get prayer as well. So if any of those things applied to you, or really just if anything, if you just, it's been a long time since you've had prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? And we're going to have some people just gather around you and get prayer. Uh, we're going to, yeah, okay, so notice, notice the hands in the room. Okay, and if you're looking around the room and just keep your hands up, if you're nearby, would you just go nearby them? And we're gonna try to as best we can keep social distance, right? So don't, don't touch them. Ask them what they want prayer for. And we're gonna worship one last song. Uh, but even as, as we're worshiping, if you feel a sense of like, no, I need prayer, put your hand up in the middle and somebody will notice you and come to you. So let's, let's worship this one last song and then I'll come up and, and close this. Keep your hands high and let's start to move around the room and pray for those people.